0: God, we thank you for your word, we thank you for our time together, and we pray that you would help us to understand, to grow in your grace, and we thank you that Jesus is strong and kind, and so we pray that um, you would help us, God, to be people who run to him, who depend upon the strength that is found the gospel of your Son, the work of your Spirit. We, We pray that we would be people who depend upon you. And I pray that you would use us, God, to make disciples. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. My My mother um, was, as I was growing up, was often concerned about me. Um, and that's because I often gave her a good reason to be concerned about me. Um, she, one of the things that we talked about, we had lots of long discussions um, and uh, a frequent theme would be um, stuff that I found inspiring. I was inspired by things that she wished I would not be inspired by. Um, One of them, the movie Rookie of the Year, I was 12 years old when the Rookie of the Year came out. Cinematic masterpiece. Introduced me to the phrase, Funky (laughs) butt-loving. Funky butt-loving. I had never heard those words put together in such a poetic, beautiful way. Funky butt-loving. And it it was a phrase that worked in every situation. Anything that would happen, I could just blurt that out. I thought... I thought it was always appropriate. My mom thought it was never appropriate. So, we didn't see eye to eye. And she won, she always won. It took her a while sometimes, she always won. Um, Yeah. The other thing I found inspiring about that movie was, I mean, it was a, you know, I didn't realize then what a complete work of fiction it was, but I found it inspiring because the kid was a was a pretty lousy little league baseball player. Um, he was about the he's about the same age I was when I was watching that movie for the first time. He's about twelve years old, pretty lousy baseball player, and he falls down because he's a clumsy person. He falls down and breaks his arm, and when his arm, you know, is healed, and they take the cast off, the. <laughs> The, uh, this is just genius filmmaking. Um, the, the, the arm had healed. The tendons were too tight. And so now he could throw the ball like 100 miles an hour. So, he, so the Cubs find him. Chicago Cubs find him and um, make him their starting pitcher and he ends up being a World Series hero as a 12-year-old. This is amazing. This is... This and I, so I knew in my mind, if I was ever to find my way to sports glory, it was going to have to be through that, right? Because I'd seen the other movies where the, where, the, where the team, you know, a bunch of talented athletes, but they're, they're working hard. They're doing the two-a-day practices. Their coach is yelling at them. There's all kinds of mud and blood and sweat and tears. And it's just hard work. And they're persevering through trouble. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't. I don't want that. I want to fall over, break my arm, and magically be given ability to throw the ball 100 miles. I want to be a sports hero. I don't want, to, I don't want all the blood, sweat, and tears and all the hard work. I want the rookie of the year path. But I found that movie inspiring. My mom wished I would be inspired by something else. Anything else. Something towards hard work but I thought maybe one of these days I'll trip over something, I'll break my arm, and I'll become a professional athlete. That was my plan. It never worked out. Paul Paul lays out out the dream for the local church in verse 2. 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the beauty of the church. I mean, this is what Paul wants for Timothy individually, right? He wants Timothy to, to hand down the gospel. As, as Timothy has received it from Paul... He says, You've you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and you've heard the gospel as it has been given to the apostles. Now it's being given to you. I want you to give it to other people, and they will in turn give it to others. And I want to see generation after generation after generation following Jesus. The gospel being entrusted to faithful people, to people who will be able to understand it by God's grace and be able to teach it to others by God's grace. This is what we want. Isn't this our dream? For, for, for our church, you know, in, and, and isn't it the dream for us as just people as well, as individuals? So in three generations, right, in three generations, no one is going to know my name. I, and I mention this every once in a while, it's just really good for me personally to remember this. People my, like my great-grandchildren are going to have to look my name up. They're going to have to call my kids. Hey, Grandpa, what was your dad's name? And my kids, we'll see if they come through. Um, we'll see. In, in three generations, I will still be getting mail at First Baptist Church, but no one will know who I am. Like, we get mail for people that no one knows. I'm like, I asked Vern. If Vern doesn't know who it is, then no one knows who it is. And I, I say, Vern, who is that? And he goes, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the name sort of sounds familiar. It's you know, it's a guy who's probably here in the '70s or something like that. The '80s maybe. I don't know. I think that was before my time. If it's before, again, don't want to throw him under the bus. It's before Vern's time. It's like it's before time. And so we just um, we we don't know. And so, but that's going to be my story. This is gonna, in three generations, people aren't going to know who I am. But we want them to know Jesus, right? Isn't, I mean, we want, to know, we want them to know Jesus' name. We want them to know that if they are weak, they can run to Jesus. Our, you know, they can forget our name. So this is who we want to be. We want to be a church, and we want to be people who are handing the gospel down. We are making disciples who will make disciples. And so what Paul is going to say to us, um, I, I'm... <laughs> This is my own spin on it. But what Paul is going to say to us in this passage is, you you can't just fall over and break your arm and hope for the best. You're not going to trip over something and accidentally make a disciple. You're not going to. It's going to be hard work. This is not going to be the rookie of the year movie. This is going to be the movie where people spend, uh, you know, 120 minutes, blood, sweat, tears, and then the state championships at the end of it. The coach yelling at them. They're persevering through the troubles. It's the the hard work and the hard work. And then after that, a little bit more hard work. And so this is what Paul is going to say to us today. It's not not the rookie of the year. It's not falling over and hoping for the best. It's not tripping over something and and up pops a disciple. So how does it happen? Paul is going to give us four answers to that. He's going to say to us in four different ways, here's how disciple-making happens. Here's how disciple-making happens. So we got four different ways. That's the sermon this morning. Number one, here's how disciple-making happens. Number one, with the commitment of a soldier. In verses three and four, he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So the, the soldier has this single focus, has this, has this overarching goal to please the one who enlisted him. So when Paul talks about gospel ministry, when he talks about about disciples who are making disciples if he's if he a lot of times a few different times in the new testament when he mentions a fellow minister a fellow laborer he calls him a fellow soldier he uses this war this this war this going to battle this he he uses that terminology quite a bit because when paul's thinking about this when he's thinking about gospel work in this world he knows it's a battle it's a war. And so it's just really helpful for us to get into this mindset that if you, say, if you say, I'm going to trust Jesus, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to live according to the Word of God, I'm going to encourage other people to trust Jesus and to follow Jesus and to live according to the Word of God. I'm, this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a disciple who makes disciples. When you say that, it's really helpful to think of it as going to war because it's going to be a battle. You're, you're I mean you're battling against your own sinfulness and weakness and your own fear you're you're battling against the sinfulness that that's alive and well in the hearts of other people you're, you're battling against the, the general animosity that people have for Jesus just this this uh, this rejection that they have for Jesus if, if someone doesn't love Jesus then their heart is is anti Jesus so So we can get into conversation with people who they share our morals and they share our values mostly and they they share our our, our different affiliations and all of that. And you can have a good conversation with them about politics or about sports or about work. And you you can get into good conversations. But once you start to try to talk about the gospel, it becomes this uphill battle. Once you start to talk about things of eternal value... It gets really, really difficult. This is why we have to have the the singular focus of a soldier. We don't want to lose focus. We don't want to be distracted. So when we are raising our children, we are trying to be good neighbors, when we are working at our job, when we are studying at our school, we don't don't want to be distracted. We want to remember that Christ, He is our commanding officer. He is our captain. He has enlisted us. In, In His grace, He has created us and He has saved us and He has called us to follow Him. So His glory and His honor, His kingdom, that's what matters. So we ask ourselves, is, is Christ, the? Is, is He my captain? Does He captain my love for my spouse? Does, does He captain our, our care for our children? Does, does Christ captain the influence that we have in our neighborhood or at our job? Does Christ captain our involvement, our faithfulness to church? Does, does Christ captain our financial decisions? Does, does, do we aim to please Christ? If that's going to be our aim, then we have to think like a soldier. We have to go into a realizing this is going to be a battle. We're not going to trip over something and accidentally find success. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be sacrifice. If a soldier is there for any other reason except to carry out his commanding officer's orders, if he's there for any other reason, he's a liability. And we have to understand that if we're, gonna, if we're going to aim to please the one who has enlisted us, we're aim to please Christ our captain. Uh, we're going to have to be people of, of truth and love. We're going we're to have to actually love people and we're going to have to actually live according to the Word of God, the truth of Scripture. So, so to truly love someone is to tell them the truth. So we have to double down on both those things. We, we go all in on loving people and we go all in on, on the truth. So if you're going to do this, if you're going to aim to please Christ, it's going to be an uphill battle. You need the commitment of a soldier. So disciple-making happens with the with commitment of of a soldier. Then number two, it happens with the discipline of an athlete. An athlete, verse 5, verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So Paul is Paul is referring, um, you know, you can take this in a big general way, but then Paul is specifically referring when he says a Competes according to the rules. Um, that's a very specific phrase that, that that contemporaries of Paul would have known what they were. He was talking about. It's a it's a ten month training period that anybody who's gonna who's gonna enter into the Olympics they had to go through this ten month training period. They couldn't they couldn't fudge on it. They couldn't cheat it. They couldn't they couldn't no. They had to go through it. They had to go through it if they were gonna compete in the Olympics. No getting out of it. No exceptions. And so Paul's point here is strong if. If you're going to, if you're going to be crowned, if you're going to be a person who he, who hears well done, good and faithful servant, then you have to compete according to the rules. You have to put the work in. You have to be disciplined. You have to do it. You have to endure the hardship of training. You have to submit to the program. You're you're not above the law. None of us are. You need discipline. You need the ability to say, this is what's right. I'm going to do this the right way. It's going to hurt. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be pain. I'm going to have to persevere and endure. But it's the right thing to do. It's the way I have to live. There's no crown for the athletes who will not be disciplined. So I'm going to do what's right. The, the the athlete could cut corners but he'd only be cheating himself sure it'd be easy to indulge my temptations to indulge my lust or to indulge my my temptation to lie to deceive to be a little lazy sure sure it's tempting i could do that Paul says you're cheating yourself, though. You're cheating yourself. If you, uh, you figure out a way, you're on a sports team, and you figure out a way to, to uh, not put the training in that everybody else is putting in. I remember my, my um, brother, older brother, is about t- something, 12 or 13 years older than me, and he had the same soccer coach I had and he said, don't even try to get out of the running. He, he, he said there was, a, there was a group of guys on our soccer team that we, we had to run around a gravel pit. There's a gravel pit back behind our school. And we'd have to run around that. And they tried a couple of different times to run through it, to, to take a, a few hundred yards off there by, by cutting through it. And they got caught every single time. And it just meant more running. Don't do that. You don't get away with it. You're only cheating yourself. This is how it is. When you you think, you can indulge a little bit. You can can skip prayer. You can skip studying Scripture. You don't have to control your tongue. You don't have to control your, your anger. You don't have to budget your time and your money. You don't have to make sacrifices. When you think that you can kind of float by... Paul says, you are are cheating yourself here. There's no reward for those who will not live a life of discipline. You have to study. You have to have have self-control. You have to. He says in verse 7, you have to think. He says you have to think. Look at verse 7. It says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Does God give us understanding? Yes, He does. But he doesn't, it doesn't just magically happen. It just fall over and, and hit us in the head. He does this as we think. As we get after it. As we try to figure things out. The discipline that we so often need starts in our minds. You, you can't just hope for the best. We have to study Scripture. We have to, as James says, pray for wisdom. And we have to think. We have to use the minds that God has given us. If an athlete is going to be successful, they have to put in the work. Same thing goes for the follower of Jesus. We must have, the, we must have the, the commitment of a soldier. We have to have the discipline of an athlete. And then, number three, we have to have the persistence of a farmer. So disciple-making happens with the commitment of a soldier. It happens with the discipline of an athlete. And it happens with the persistence of a farmer. Verse 16 says it is the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. The wonderful thing about the successful farmer is that they, they don 't give up. Farming must be tedious same thing over and over it 's early mornings it 's late nights and it 's just work it 's just work you can kind of you can kind of make the point that that to be a soldier or to be an athlete there 's some there's some glamour there. There's some, there's some possibility that this is going to be heroic in some way. Not with the farmer. There's not a lot of glamorous, heroic farmers. It can be lonely, it can be boring, and you often don't see any progress. It takes a while, it takes persistence. It takes deciding that it's worth it. It takes deciding. I'm going to suit up like a soldier. I'm going to commit to aiming to please my captain. And I know it's going to be a battle, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to have the discipline of an athlete. I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to do what's right. I'm not taking any shortcuts. And then here's where the persistence comes in. Because a lot of times, all of that hard work doesn't seem like it's getting us anywhere doesn't seem like it's worth it. But the farmer doesn't care. He, he's going to stick with it because he believes that no matter what you see in front of you right now, that in the end it will be worth it. He's persistence. He doesn't base his determination on what he sees in front of him. Paul says there's great reward at the end of the life that's given over to Jesus. That, that what we're hoping for, what we're aiming for to, to, to be a part of this generations of, of making disciples. This, this generation handing off to the next generation. Jesus building his church. Paul is saying, this is, there is great reward if we go all in on that. And, and it's clear from scripture, Jesus is going to do this. He, Jesus is going to build his church. God is going to give Jesus a a huge bride from all over the world. From every tribe, every tongue, every nation. There is this great church that, that Jesus is building, that God is giving His Son. It is happening. And Paul is saying, you can be in on this. You can be a part of this. I mean, you can sit there. You absolutely can. And Jesus is going to build His church with or without you, but don't we want, as we think of the gospel and as we think of all the grace that God has shown us and, and we think of the glory of God, don't we want to be a part of this? Is it hard work? Yes. And you can, you can think of ways this week where it was hard. To follow Jesus. to Encourage others to follow Jesus. It is an uphill battle. I was thinking about this passage, and I always try to think of how are we how are we responding to this? Whenever I'm whenever I'm kind of putting a sermon together, I think, what is how is the just the normal, everyday Christian, how are we, how are we responding to this? So so when we think of all the hard work that Paul is calling us to, there's a couple of different ways that we can. Uh, that we can respond. One, we're we're, we're intimidated by these verses. So that's, that's one level we just, wow, this is a high calling. This is a hard calling that, that Paul is giving us here. So we're either a little bit intimidated or the only other option really is we're not taking them seriously. If these verses were no big deal to you, if they didn't stop you in your tracks a little, it's because you don't care enough. You're not taking it seriously. So, so either we're a little bit intimidated, and, and the idea of a lifetime of commitment and discipline and persistence is intimidating. So either, either it's something that takes us back a little bit, it makes us stop and think. And if it doesn't make us stop and think, if it, like if it hasn't been difficult, and if this seems easy to us, it's a bad sign. So if you, if you want this, if you want this lifetime of commitment and discipline and persistence, and we have to have the fourth, we have to have the fourth and final way that disciple making happens. Yes, it, it happens through the, the commitment of the a soldier, it happens through the discipline of an athlete, it happens through the persistence of a farmer. And then we have to look at number four. Fourth and final way disciple making happens. It happens with the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Verse 1 Says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How do we do this? How do we do this? How how is it possible that we can can be committed and disciplined and persistent? How can we stick with this? How can we fight against temptation? How can we fight for self-control? How can we respond in love and mercy and truth? How can we do this? How can we push away from temptations to, to give up, to indulge ourselves, take shortcuts, break the rules? How can we just keep working at this no matter what we see in front of us? Sometimes we just don't see any fruit from our efforts at all. How do we keep going? Paul says the only way is with the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The only way we have strength for this is in the, with the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. The Christian life is a life of dependence upon Jesus' grace. So this is the way it starts, of course. The the Christian life starts this way. And I hope this is your story, that that you right now depend upon Christ and Christ alone to save you from God the Father's punishment. I hope right now that you are trusting in the grace of Jesus Christ to forgive you from from all all, all that your sins deserve. All the anger and judgment that you deserve that I deserve, if we are ever to be saved, it is only through Jesus Christ. So you and I need the grace that is in Christ Jesus to forgive us. So hopefully you've believed that gospel. Hopefully right now, you are depending upon the grace that is in Christ Jesus as your only hope to be saved from the hell that you deserve. be brought into the family of God. And again, if you're, not, if, you're, if you're not sure about that, let's talk afterwards. Let's, let's talk. I want you to believe that. Believe it now. But then, if we are depending on Christ to save us from our sins, we also, we also must be depending upon Christ for the strength to live for His glory. So you have to ask yourself this morning, are, am I being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, listen to what he says. He says, I worked harder than any of them. Paul says, I know, I know how hard this is. I know how difficult this is. I know how much perseverance that you need. I know what it's like to to endure through hardship. He says, I worked harder than any of them. But then he says... Though it was not I, the grace of God, that is with me, yet not I, but Christ. So so depending upon the grace of God is this ongoing belief that there is sufficient grace in Christ to do whatever Christ calls us to do. Christ is not a captain who calls us to do things that we cannot do. He says to aim to please Him. And as we are aiming to please Him, He will give us grace. He will give us strength to do it. So, so if we're going to believe that there is grace in Jesus Christ, then, then we, we have this just ongoing prayer. We just continue day by day to pray that God will give us strength. We, we continue to admit we can't do this by ourselves. We continue to believe that God gives us strength through Jesus Christ. And then we obey. We obey the Word of God. It's belief and then prayer and dependence and obedience. And it's just, this is just our day-to-day lives. It's filled with belief that, that there is sufficient grace. It's prayer that God will give us that grace and that strength that's depending upon Him and then showing that we are depending upon God by going out and obeying, by doing what we're called to do, the Word of God. Disciple-making is too hard for you you can't do it. I can't do it. We can't do it. Not in our own strength. There's no way. The things I want most to accomplish in this world, and I say this often too because it's good for me to remember it. The things I want to most accomplish as a as a husband and as a dad and as a pastor, I cannot do. I can't do it. If if listen carefully, if following Jesus wasn't too hard for you this week, then you weren't following Jesus. If we find ourselves going days and weeks and not praying for strength to control our temper, to control our pride, to control our lust, to control our mouth, if we don't find ourselves asking God to help us speak the truth in love, We don't find ourselves asking God to help us to live for Jesus. If we're not ever asking God for help, then we're not living for Jesus. If we think we're nailing it all by ourselves, the the, the New Testament is clear, we cannot do this without Christ. We cannot do this without dependence upon His grace. So that's, that's one thing the New Testament teaches. We have to just get clear in our heads. This life is impossible without dependence upon God. So if you don't find yourself coming to the end of your strength and asking God for strength, for help, for grace, then you're not following Jesus. It's the clear teaching of the New Testament. Now, the other thing, the beautiful thing that the New Testament teaches is that in Christ Jesus, we have grace upon grace upon grace. You can always run to Jesus. He is always strong and kind. Yes, living to please Christ is hard. But it's worth it to be a church that leaves a legacy of generation after generation of disciple-making. Long after people have to, have to look up our name on Ancestry.com, they got to say, what, what was my great grandfathers. Who was that guy? He's... I know he's related to us. I saw his picture. My, my poor son got his nose, so I know, I mean, I know he's, he's somebody. Who is he? Who cares as long as they know Jesus? Isn't that what we want? We want to be a part of that. That's what we want to be a part of. Can we do it? No. Can we do it for the grace that's in Jesus Christ? Yes, because there is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We can always come to Jesus. He is always strong and kind. It's hard work. It's hard work. Paul says, I worked harder than anyone. But it was through the grace that is in God. So let's go forward. Let's go forward. Let's, let's obey the word of God. Let's be people of love and truth. Let's just get after it. Let's make disciples. Let's, let's go forward. Let's get after it. And let's, let's realize the whole time, we can't do this in our own strength. It's not possible in our own strength. But, but through the grace that is in Christ Jesus, it is possible. We can do it. And there is a crown at the end. We can always come to Jesus. He is always strong and kind. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for it. Pray that you'd help us to understand it. Pray that you'd help us to believe it. I pray that you'd help us, God, to be to be people who who routinely try to do things that we cannot do. I can't control my mouth. I, I can't control my mouth. I can't do it. I can't control my temper. I can't squash my arrogance, my self righteousness. I love myself, God. I lo- I love to think that I'm holier than anyone else. I love it just comes bubbling up inside of me. I can't beat that. I can't defeat that. Except for the grace that is the strength that is in Christ Jesus. Help us to understand, God, you've called us to do things we can not do. Help us, God, to to attempt them to try not in our own strength but in confidence there's grace upon grace in Christ Jesus. And he gives us strength for the life he has called us to. We thank you for the beauty and the power of the gospel. We thank you for his son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.